after preaching and he doesn't stop his ministry there he does not stop his ministry there he continues and a part of his ministry is is really reaching out to people you know there's sick people there's people that need a healing touch from again he is the son of god he is the messiah full of the holy spirit full of the power of god and he's ministering to people and this is going to be a big portion of what we're going to see in the next chapter few chapters that we're in right now eight and nine you know and so on and so forth but a lot of healing, and we've already seen a lot of healing, talked a lot about healings and, and, and why, you know, there are sometimes healings and sometimes there's delays. Why would God delay, you know, and why would he not heal a person when they're asking for it at a given time? And we spent a lot of time talking about that, so we completed that. But I'm just trying to get a context of what's going on, because here we see Jesus' amazing things. And just, you know, in seeing this, the multitudes there, I mean, you can just imagine the excitement, this is a once-in-a-lifetime, this is a world revolutionary event. Nothing like this has ever happened, and nothing in this capacity, in this nature, will ever happen again on this world until Christ returns. Because here it is, Christ opening his mouth and preaching. Here he is, Christ ministering. Here he is, Christ in, in his glory. And, and those who have, maybe the coin has dropped for them, this is the Messiah. This is the anointed one from God. He's here. I mean, this must have been a, a hugely exciting thing. I mean, something that I can... Never compare any experience in my life to. Think about it. The most amazing, fantastic experience. Maybe for you, your experience was when maybe you first came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then just the, 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 all that happened, all that led up to it, and all that happened during it. Just what an amazing time to know Jesus. And I want Jesus. I want all of him in my life. This is just amazing. So I can see so many people. I mean, there was a multitude. That means there's so many people. And they're watching him. And they're caught up in the experience. And like, this is amazing. Here is Jesus. I want to be with this man. I just, I, and so we wonder, what is, what is it that we're really caught up into? What is it that we really want to do? What is it that we really, how far will we go to be with Jesus? Is it worth a great cost? Is it worth a great deal of loss? And I think this is where Jesus is getting from. And, and I'm just going to say right now, I don't think Jesus is going to be um, you know, rude or unsympathetic to the people who he's going to encounter here. What I think he's doing is he's being real. And we're going to see a real Jesus. He's really healing. He's really teaching. But he really has a mission. He really has a mission. It's a real mission. The mission contains his ministry, which is quite a short ministry, two, three years, you know, and then the cross. So he has, can't delay. He has to go. He needs to do his mission. He knew what it was. He knew, and there's a multitude. And this multitude of people had a choice to make. Do we want to go with them? Or do we want to just embrace his experience as it is and then go home? Or do something else? Live life as normal? So they have a choice to make. Jesus goes, well, here is my life. Here's my ministry. And here I go. And that's where we get to today. And there's a little bit of a summary before we get into it. So next slide, please. Again, as I just said, so far Jesus, he's done some pretty remarkable things. We've seen him work with the leopard. You know, leopards, 
a man or a woman, whoever would have leprosy, you don't touch them. You're not allowed to touch them, culturally speaking, in Christ's time. And, and a leper shouldn't come anywhere near anybody who's clean. In fact, they would shout quite embarrassingly, unclean, unclean, clear a space for me, you know, or whatever, just stay close, for far, far away from me, you know. But yet, this, this, this brave man comes before Jesus, and he humbles himself, and he, I know you're the Messiah, I know you're the Lord, I know you have the power of God, you, you can heal me. And what does Jesus do? He touches the man. He does what, what he ought not to do, but what he should do, he should do because he's the son of God and he loves and he cares and he heals, but culturally, maybe something he ought not to do. But he broke those cultural rules because he's the son of God. And, he, and it's better that someone is touched by God and healed by God than to follow sometimes the cultural rules in this time. And so here is the son of God being brave, being brazen, touching the man whom he ought not to touch. And the man's healed. And then, of course, we had talked about other stories. Some of the other stories include you know, the man who... Uh, uh, Right away in the same Matthew 8, the centurion, you know, who's a Gentile, he shouldn't know the Messiah. What does a Gentile have to do with the, with the Messiah? That's the, that's the anointed one of God of Israel. But no, he's more than the God of Israel. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the God of the heavens and the earth. He is the God of this world, of this universe. And the centurion says it, and he goes, you know what? I'm going to trust in this Jewish man who is the Messiah, who has the power of God. And so he comes humbly before him, heal my servant. It's funny to me that one, because he doesn't come seeking for the healing of his family member or maybe somebody very close to him, like a child, a son or a daughter or his wife or whatever, even himself. He comes humbly for the sake of a servant. What a loving guy, what a passionate man. And of course, Jesus healed with the word, with just the very word he heals. And of course, we see the man here, you know, who brought the, the, the boy who was, um, you know, mute and was prone to these seizures that was, fits uh, or throw them into dangerous situations, you know, like fire and water, it was described, you know, so, you know, a dangerous condition that, 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 that um, but he came to them, Jesus, and Jesus healed. So we see a lot of exciting things. And you know what, if, if we saw somebody like this hanging about shots, I'm sure we'd all would want to hang out with them, wouldn't we? <laughs> Listen to the things this fellow's doing here. Is this an exciting thing? Isn't this amazing? Isn't this miraculous? And this would be definitely somebody we'd want to hang out with, spend some time with. And I think that's how the multitude are feeling. In fact, that is exactly how the multitude were feeling because um, they were crowding around him. And Jesus felt like he needed some space. Okay, The crowd's here. We need to move on. We need to move on. So in Matthew 8, 18, it says that when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. We, we need to move on. We need to continue our mission. We're, we're done here. We've ministered. We did a, a good thing. But now it's time to go. And, and that's why I put here in a little, my own little side notes, you know, wow, isn't this exciting? I mean, we really want to get caught up into what's happening here because, you know, this, this is an amazing thing. This is phenomenal. And, of course, many of us may have, we, maybe we have, you know, had this kind of experience where we felt like we wanted to take it to the next step. You know, and there was fellows here. Um, uh, one commentary called them would-be um, disciples. But I, I'm not going to call them would-be disciples. I'm going to call them just, just people. You know, one fellow here is a teacher of law. Maybe he was a scribe. Maybe he was a politician. I don't know. But he was a teacher of law. You know, and, and he and he was there, and he was caught up in the experience. And and I believe he was genuine for the most part. I want to be with Jesus because this is amazing stuff. I want to be the friend of Jesus. And maybe how we felt during worship today with all the songs and the passion and, you know, ooh, the moment. I want to be with Jesus. 
And so maybe we can identify with this, this fellow, this scribe here, who wants to be with Jesus. It's a good place to be. And he says to Jesus, teacher. So he's humble. Hey, teacher. <coughs> you know, he, he, he sees that he, he, uh, there's a, a need to be a disciple. A disciple's a student. And Jesus being the Lord, the teacher, he's the one who we come to, we call upon. Teacher, I will follow you. Wherever you go. And so a lot of times in, in the Greek or Roman time, uh, like a philosophy, you know, teacher, you know, like, like Socrates or Plato, they would travel a lot. And their students would actually live with them. You know, they might live at their academy. So where they would go, their home, their academy, where they would teach. And they would go with them. So he's thinking, geez, when you go back to your academy, can I not go with you and live at your academy for a couple of years, learn as much as I can from you so I can be morally, you know, right. You know, this daikasuni that he was preaching about not too long ago which is a noble thing. However, Jesus doesn't have an academy. He doesn't have an academy. He doesn't even have a home. And that's what he says. Hey, listen, brother. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll respect your, your wishes here, and I would love you to come and hang out with my academy and learn of the school of philosophy of Jesus Christ for the next few years, but don't have anything like that. I'm, I've got a different kind of mission. And my mission is to keep moving, to keep going. I've got only a couple of years, and I can't stop. I've got to keep going. So he's not here to defend the guy. You know, he's not here to upset the guy. But the reality is you've got to make a choice. It's not going to be comfortable, follow me, because you're not going to get a little dorm room, you know, with a nice little cozy bed and pillow and, and breakfast served in the mornings and whatnot. You know, it's going to be a hard, long road. So he says, Jesus says here, and foxes have dens. Okay, birds have nests. I.e., they have homes, places to go to sleep, to rest, to store their food. It's a place of security and a place of safety. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, he's got no home. He has a mission instead. He's got a calling on his life instead. So it was clear to him, therefore, what needs to be done. He needs to move on. He needs to keep going. And, and Jesus knew what he had to do. He saw the cross. He understood the cross. And with that, there's, there's, there's little sense of, of security and comfort with that kind of life, you know, as opposed to having a nice little home. And he's probably thinking, hey, listen, it's all right. Go to your home. Go build a home. Go make a living for yourself. Have a wife and children and, and build them. That's fine. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I, mean, I don't think Jesus is condemning that at all. But he's saying, but if you really want to follow me, like you're saying you will, you've got to count the cost. You've got to count the cost. And that's kind of what I put here. And Jesus, this man's basically saying, I just want to be with you always. We've got to count the cost. Because I'm not going to stay and hang out and, you know, chill out for long. He does chill out. Jesus loves to hang out. He loves to eat fish and he loves to, to talk and he loves to do that. But he doesn't stop. He keeps moving. He keeps moving. And this is his mission. And his disciples, who he did choose, and they were few in comparison to the multitude, were the kind of people who were willing to just keep going and not stop and build a home for themselves. So, next slide, please. The other fella comes up to him afterwards. And again, I just put in this little note here on the top here. If you want to see on the screen, you can see it. Uh, actually, can you turn this row of lights off? Because it'll make the screen a little bit easier to see. Yeah, nobody does. It's a mystery. That's it. It's a little bit easier to see. And so the top here, it says, Jesus is not trying to be unnecessarily difficult, harsh, or rude. Let's remind that. He's, he's a, he's, Jesus is, he, he did some pretty um, brazen things. He did some pretty assertive things in his ministry, like turning over tables in the temple and whatnot. But he's not unnecessarily difficult or harsh or rude. 
He's being honest. He's being real, as real as possible. And so this other fellow comes up. And again, he's not being rude about this guy and his dad who's dying. No, not at all. He's being real. He has a mission. And he has to make choices, just like this fellow who, who, who wants to be a disciple has choices to make and decisions to make. So this other disciple in, in, in Matthew 8, 21 comes up to him and says, Lord, but first, before you go, he understands he has to go because he made it very clear to the other fellow. Okay, we understand we're going. But before you go, can you delay? Can you hold back a wee bit? Let me go and bury my father. This is what it says in the text. Jesus' response to this is, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Again, it might seem harsh, but what he's basically saying here is this. And this is a matter, and that's why I put it here on the bottom as well. This is a matter, an honest matter of the heart. This man's concerned for his father, and that's all right to be concerned for your family, okay? But, 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 but most commentators would say to this, and I would agree with this, is that this father isn't on his deathbed necessarily. He's just an elderly kind of fella. So he could have many years in his life still. How long is Jesus going to wait until this guy you know, passes away and they continue the mission. How much time can Jesus sacrifice to delay? You know, how long would Jesus delay? And, and don't forget, when delaying his mission, we're talking about the will of God, which is what he spoke of in the, king, uh, you know, in the kingdom preaching, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the will of God. And, and he made it very clear to disobey the will of God, to disobey that, to ignore that is, 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 is rebellion and it's disobedience. And we don't want to do that. So here's a man who's got a, a, a true dilemma, and it's, and it's something that's important to him. So for him, it's his family. Maybe, you know, it, well, specifically his father, but it could be a child to, to another person. It could be a wife or a husband to another person. It could be work. It could be a career. It could be education. It could be, I mean, genuine things, important things that are matters of the heart that aren't sinful and wrong. But that's why I put here a fill on the road, because we, in life, we have to make choices. And that's just how it is. And Jesus sees that. He knows it. And this disciple has to make a choice. He, he, his heart, he's caught up in the moment. He wants to follow Jesus. It's important to him to follow Jesus. This sounds amazing. Jesus is going to do amazing things that I don't want to miss out. And Jesus goes, yeah, cool. You're welcome to come. But you got to make a choice. You know, both paths. I don't think there's any sin here at all. I don't think there's any wrongdoing here at all. It's noble to care for your parents. It's noble to care for your family. But Jesus had a mission. And it included waiting. So a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years, how much would he wait? How much could he wait? He couldn't wait at all. He had to go. And so sometimes, this little application note up on the bottom of the screen, sometimes we need to say, or we need to stay. Okay, sometimes it's important that we have to stay back and you know, take care of, of, of things that are matters of the heart. But if we're called to go, we need to go. It's simple as that. We don't want these things to hold us back if we're called to go. If God puts it in our hearts that we need to stay and take care of things, that's fine. But if he says go, you got to go. Because here he is. Jesus is going to move on. He's moving on, and he's not going to stop. Next one, please. And this is a short, simple message, this message. There's not much for me to say because it's all in the black and white, isn't it? But with that we have to recognize that there is an issue. We, t- we talked several weeks back about um, what Jesus he brought up in his sermon, anxiety, stress, worries, stuff like that. And following Jesus and making steps like this can be quite a nerve-wracking thing to do. It's uncomfortable. It's an uneasy thing to do because we have to let go of these s- securities and safeties like a home would pre- present to us. 
you know, maybe leaving a career that we worked so hard to build and, and so on and so forth. So it can be a very anxious, nerve-wracking, worrisome thing. And following the Jesus, <coughs> isn't, there are some promises that our life is going to be free from worries, anxieties, in a sense, of troubles. But we can be free from anxiety worries if we take Jesus' advice in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? It's not too long ago. He just, don't forget, he just preached it. And he's, he said very clearly, don't worry about things that aren't real. That's me paraphrasing it. Okay? Don't worry about things that aren't real. The reason why I said that is because when we looked and we examined the text, he says, worry about today. Worry about things that are really here and now. Things that could come about, forget about it. Right? That's what he said with that New Yorker accent. Forget about it. But what is he saying? Remember we did that experiment where I said, listen, guys, go home for the week. And if you haven't done it, feel free to do it this week. Go home and on Monday morning, wake up and write down all the things that are bothering you just now. All things that worry you and make you anxious and all these things that really bother you. Write down a list. At the end of the day, look back and say, what actual troubles did I have today? Okay? What actual troubles? What do these things have manifested today and actually caused me trouble today? And you see the, the comparison, how small you know, the actual troubles were compared to all the things that we carry on our shoulders. And then do that for Tuesday. And do that for Wednesday. And Thursday. And then Friday. And then Saturday. Whatever you want to do. So then stop at sometime at that point. And then look back. And then do the whole week. At this week, every day, these are the things that worried me and I had anxiety about. And then add that all together. And then add together in a separate column all the things that were actual troubles. And notice how the gap gets bigger. You know, the more of the worries, it, it, it's exponentially just grows and grows and grows and grows. But the actual worries kind of subtly grows. Now, that's a difference between a day and a week. Imagine a month of that kind of anxiety. Imagine months, years of that kind of anxiety. That's why Jesus says, forget about it. Just think about today. When troubles come, deal with them. But, and I know what it's like, because I do it all the time. <laughs> I saw somebody who, who, who was, I was talking to them. And he was like, you know what? You, you worry about things. When you, when you leave, are you the kind of guy who, like, who checks your keys in your pockets, makes sure everything's in order, and makes sure everything's, just, just checks the lights? And, you know, I'm like, a little bit compulsive. I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lot bit compulsive, actually. And he's like, how do you feel about that? I, go, I hate it, because you should hate it. Because it's, 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 it binds you. And, and that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. Those things do bind you. I'm like, yeah, how do I get free from it? And he kind of says exactly what Jesus says. So forget about it. Just think about what's real. You know, you're going to, generally speaking, you're going to get in your car, you're going to drive to work, and you're not going to break down and die. But every day I think that's going to happen. He goes, well, that's no way to live life. <laughs> Just go. Just go and enjoy it. And if your car happens to break down and you die, then oh well. You'll be dead and you don't have to worry about it. I that, that. He never said that. That'd be kind of funny if he did, though. But anyways, you get the point. And the reason why I'm bringing this up here is because the disciples have a scary thing, an anxious thing, an actual real trouble. So they get in this boat that Jesus was talking about to cross over, right, over the sea. And it says in Matthew 8, 23, then he got in the boat and his disciples followed him. Not the multitude. The multitude couldn't, couldn't follow him for whatever reason, as we discussed but his disciples who said, you know what, I think we can count the cost. I think we can do this thing, God. I think we can do this, Jesus. I think we're going to follow you. Yeah, count me in. I want to be where you are. No academy, no cozy dorms, no home. That's fine. We'll still follow you. Because they have trust. Now, their trust is described very soon here as 
um, little trusts, little faiths, as we saw. A, a coin, a Greek term that, that Jesus um, only uses as far as the Bible and, and other, you know, trans, other Greek bits of literature we have. Only Jesus uses this term. It's, it's one that we believe Jesus coined, the little faiths, or the we faiths, as I said earlier in our prayer. It's those of little faith. Young ones, mature, mature ones, ones that need to grow. We need some trials. We need some tribulations. We need some things in our life to kind of grow us up and sharpen us and make us stronger so we can have maybe medium-sized faith, which is probably where most of us will ever end up getting. You know, It's rare, I think, that anybody has great faith because, I mean, that takes a lot of trials and tribulations. I don't think anybody wants to bring that to themselves. You know, But here we have these young disciples, these young students of Jesus, these we face. Okay, they're still learning. But they're on this boat, and they're troubled because, as it says in text, moving on, suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake, so that, or the sea, it's, it's, it's big, so that the waves swept over the boat. And by sweeping over, in the Greek, it literally means to be like encased, like to be like hugged, if you will. So the water was literally coming over them and on top of them. It wasn't a little a little bumpy road. This was like an intense, scary situation for these men. And, and we know that some of the disciples were at least fishermen and they were accustomed to the sea. So they, if it was a little thing, they would not be so scared. But it, they, they understood the danger that was before them. They understood, they had the information to realize this is a scary situation. And so these waves were coming upon them. And Jesus was sleeping. Odd. But the thing is, Jesus knows a lot more than we do, doesn't, doesn't he? <laughs> he knows a lot more. We see our troubles. Now, we're not just talking about anxiety and worry here. We're talking about actual troubles at this point. So here's an actual trouble. And so in our ministry, in our life, we'll have actual trouble. And we will get panicky because we have enough information, because we're smart enough to see actual trouble when it comes our way, like these fishermen who are familiar with the sea. We're very familiar with troubles when it comes our way. But Jesus, do you not understand what's going on here? Jesus, do you not see the, the, the problem at hand? Okay, we're talking about Jesus Christ here. He knows everything about everything. He's the son of God. There's no information withheld from him. And he's sleeping. Is he sleeping because he's ignorant? No. He's sleeping because he knows everything. And he knows that there's nothing to be worried about. And this is where Discipleship 101 comes in. As far as like leadership ministry training, it's like resting with Jesus. Even when there's trouble right there in our faces. So they wake him up. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Don't you know? We're going to die here. And he replied, Hey, guys, my little faithers, <laughs> got so much to learn. And hey, in a sense, we're all little faithers, aren't we? If we deal with these things, and I'm sure we all deal with these things, then hey, we're little faithers as well, and that's cool. But we need to, to take these trials, tribulations, and, and ask ourselves how could we grow? How can we mature? How can we learn from this? And, and in faith. And what is faith again? It's total trust. Here's Jesus sleeping. These disciples. Well, we kind of trust Jesus that he knows what he's doing here. Because he did all these amazing things like, what, five minutes ago. <laughs> but here he is sleeping. Isn't he going to do something? Well, maybe we should wake him up. And he wakes up. Hey, little face. Did you not remember what we just did five minutes ago? Don't you remember the healing and all the, the power of God witnessed before you? You're all caught up in the experience and all fired up. But now things are too difficult for you. Okay, that's fine. Um, and I, I put here, why are you so afraid? Or I highlighted that because, again, that's a good question. Why are you so afraid? Don't you know you have Jesus amongst you? And I guess we can ask that 
for ourselves when we have trials and troubles and whatnot. You know, why are you so afraid? Don't you know you have Jesus with you? You're disciples. I'm a disciple. They're disciples. They have Jesus with them. We have Jesus with us. So why so afraid? So he got up and he did an amazing thing because he's an amazing fellow, Jesus is. And he can do powerful, miraculous, wonderful, mind-blowing things like rebuking the wind. How do you rebuke the wind? Does the wind have a mind of its own? <laughs> we came up and he basically, in the Greek, he basically so much says, he basically shouts at the wind, stop it. Almost like the, mind, like the wind has a mind of its own. And I was like, what? Like the, some kind of demon in the wind or something? I don't know. But no, but the thing is, what this shows you is, again, Jesus is the master of the molecules. He's the master of circumstance. He's the master of matter. He's a master of everything, the universe. He created it. Through the word, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. So he can, and we're, again, like I said before, I'll say it again, we're not deists. Deists believes that God created the heavens and the earth, but then he went and retired. We don't believe in that. We're theists, which means God created the heavens and the earth, and he interacts. This is God interacting. Does God still interact? Are we like maybe semi-deists that believe that God interacts up until the time of Pentecost, and then now he stops? No. We can't bind our God like that. We're theists. We believe that he will always be able to, and he always will interact with our real lives, even the physical elements of it. And here we see him interacting and, and, and demanding, you know, respect from even the elements themselves. So calm down, you waves. And the waves do what? They calm down. And this should be amazing. This should be shocking you. Because this is the God we follow. This is the God we serve. This is the God that who we have an option to follow. This is the God we have the option to count the cost and just go for it. It's going to be trouble. It's going to be difficult. There's no home. There's no, I mean, I don't want to say there's no, but we'll say there's little, you know, safety and security. And the reason why I say little is because comparatively, what is our safety and security bound in our home insurance policies, our, you know, our job security, as opposed to Jesus? Who's more powerful? <laughs> Jesus or our home insurance policies, our career paths, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, that's why I say there's little, but the th thing is, it's an illusion, isn't it? Isn't it a bit of an illusion? We think that there's safety in these things, but there's greater safety. I think these disciples, for them, ah, the coin dropped. What kind of safety and security can I, I mean, because look at all these people who are lame and mute and deaf. They have troubles because they were lame and mute and deaf and the lepers. They had their own trouble. There's no security in their lives before Jesus, but Jesus came it was his presence that healed him. It was his touch that healed him. So being with Jesus is the greatest security insurance policy you can get. It's the greatest career path you can take. Because there's ultimate security. There's ultimate protection. There's ultimate satisfaction. There's ultimate... I just say satisfaction. There is satisfaction in there as well. To know that you're serving the kingdom of God. Again, talking about treasure. We talked about treasure a while back with the Sermon on the Mount as well. Again, treasure... Where do you put your treasure? What's important to you? Is it in temporal things or eternal things? Working for the kingdom of God is, is, is like, like these disciples are, are wanting to do, and they're counting the cost, and they're, and they're following Jesus. Is they've counted the, they, they, they realize that real treasure is in eternal things. So even if they lose their temporal lives in a disaster like drowning in the sea or whatever, it shouldn't matter because they're serving 
our life's temporal. It comes, it goes. But eternal life doesn't. It continues. So they, they're willing to, 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 to invest in that. That is an important thing to invest in. And of course, there we go. There's these disciples. They count the cost. They're ready to go. It's an amazing thing. They were amazed. And you know what? Let us learn from this, especially when, when they're, they're, they're responding. They're amazed. They're asking, what kind of man is this? Well, I've already answered what kind of man this is. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the, you know, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the, the man who is ultimate. When we're with him, we've got ultimate security and protection and safety and satisfaction as opposed to without him. That's the kind of man we're talking about here. He does amazing things. He still, he's a theistic God we're talking about, not a deistic God. He doesn't stop at any point because whatever reason, he keeps working, he keeps doing, he's still involved. Yes, even the winds and the waves obey him. So there we have it. There's not much to be said after this. You know, we see Jesus doing amazing things and we see a response from people. And I think this is kind of really should help us to sit up, sit up straight and think, you know, yeah, how, how much of, of me do I give to Jesus? That's why at the very beginning slide I put, you know, I put on the very beginning slide, which I seem to have lost others, following Jesus. Yes, no, maybe, sometimes. I mean, how do we answer that question? Following, following Jesus, I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not just like getting caught up in experience and feeling for him and, and, and being passionate for him and loving him. Also, also all good. And like I'm saying, I'm not talking about sin versus non-sin. I'm talking about believers versus non-believers. I'm talking about us and how much are we willing to give to Jesus, you know, as individuals. Here, you know, following Jesus. Do we, yes, follow him closely. No, not really. I believe in him. I trust in him. I know there's God and, you know, the man up in the skies who, with a gray beard, and that's cool. I'm not going to really follow him. I'm going to do my own thing. And, okay. So do you follow him? Yes. No. Maybe. Sometimes. 